A uh, pastor ended services one Sunday by announcing that the next week the sermon would be about lying and its sinfulness. And uh, he told them that as we're getting ready to start this new sermon series, I want you to, to read the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. He sent them home. The uh, next week they gathered and some of them were ready for it as they, uh, as they sat down together. The pastor said, all right, I just want to know how many of you in preparation for today read the 17th chapter of Mark. And some hands went up right away and a few other hands thought about it for a minute and seeing other hands went up, you know, they were a little slow, but they put their hands up as well. And, and the pastor said, perfect, you are the exact audience for today. There are only 16 chapters <laughs> in the Gospel of Mark. We have been walking through the Bible at Clay Church. Genesis all the way through Revelation a couple of weeks ago. Right, Nine, nine months of this walk together. And you'll be happy to know there are no quizzes today. You don't need to know how many chapters are in any given book of the Bible. But I, for those of you who have been on this journey for, for nine months, I just want to share this this prayer that has been on my heart that, that we've grown as followers of Jesus. That's what this whole journey has been about. And, and for those of you who may be here for the first time today or who joined us, joined us midway, you know, what we've been doing is, is looking at the Bible as we've walked through it and we've, we've looked at the context who is this book written by, and, and what do we know about them, and who was it written to, and, and what was God doing in the, in the early church or with the people of God through these texts? And then, then we've asked two questions, and, and so my prayer today is that as we're sort of completing this walk, what we've been doing is, is just a, a guide for us going forward for all of us. Right? We've asked those questions of context, and then we've had these, these two questions that we've asked all the way through. How does my life help others to see and know the love of Jesus? Question one. And question two, what are we doing to contribute to a more Christ-like community? Essentially, for every book, for every passage we've studied, we've, we've looked, at the, looked at the context, we've done that work, and then, then we've, we've asked an internal and an external question. What what have I learned from God's Word? How is this changing me? And then how am I living it to, to change the world around me? How does it impact my life to impact others? Now, a, uh, a summary of this walk. You can find a, a summary on these bookmarks. And uh, I know a couple of our ushers are in here now. If you did not, we handed these out a couple weeks ago, but I thought it'd be a great time to distribute them again. If you did not get one of these, uh, it's essentially a bookmark or just a Bible insert. Um, if you just want to raise your hand and, uh, and our ushers will bring one to you if you don't already, don't already have one. I see a few, few hands up that didn't get them a couple weeks ago. These have essentially, as we've talked about, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? These have uh, summaries of all the sermons for the last nine months at, uh, at Clay Church. So, as we've been 
As we've been walking through and approaching this Sunday, I, I started thinking, so, so what do we do on the last Sunday of this, of this walk together? And it feels like a graduation of sorts, but I, I sort of don't like the graduation analogy because the students leave and they don't come back, so that's not it. We can't really use the, the graduation analogy, at least not in its fullest. But I, I think we can use a piece of that analogy, which is Right? When graduates approach that moment, when they've, when they've had this educational experience together, this walk, these things they've been learning, the next thing they do is they take these tools that they've been given and they ask this question, what's next? How am I going to live my life next? So what's next for us? Whether we've been on this walk or whether we're here for the first time today, what's next? And the answer to that question is your ministry. Let's pray. God, take my lips and speak through them this day. And Lord, take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts, all of us here, all those gathered online and listening to this message, take our hearts and set them on fire with your love. Amen. Some of you are aware that Pete Womer passed away on Friday morning. For others, that might be new news. For years and years, Pete, a longtime member, he sat right back there where Aaron is sitting today helping with the sound and tech for our church. And by years and years, I mean he has passed through three different pastors' tenures at, at Clay Church. Numerous worship venues and, and setups. We'll celebrate Peace Life later this week. And we're going to give thanks to God for his ministry, Pete's ministry was helping create experiences like this, helping create worship experiences for people. Pete would be the first to tell you he, he was not a perfect guy. But Pete had a ministry. And almost every week you could count on Pete being, being right back there in the tech booth helping, helping create worship experiences. As, a, as Pete would say, it was really all on him. If he didn't like what the pastor was saying, he could just turn off the microphone shut off the lights. He never did. Well, at least to me. I don't know about Herb. <laughs> so what will be your ministry? What will people say someday about how you helped spread God's love in the world? Some of you may, may know that answer right now. Some of you Maybe that, that you don't know the answer, and, and that's okay. It, it may be that nobody's ever asked that question, or maybe not asked it in that way. Some of you may not have heard before that, that you have a ministry that, that matters to God. Maybe you haven't thought about the idea that, that you have something to offer. So let me share this today. If you don't hear anything else that's, that's said today, hear Hear this, your ministry matters. Your ministry matters. You have a part 
to play in God's transforming love in this world. Your ministry matters. Turn to somebody next to you right now. I know this makes introverts a little uncomfortable, but turn to somebody next to you right now and, uh, and just tell them your ministry matters. Your ministry matters. And if you didn't know anybody right around you or you're at home today, hear me say to you, your ministry matters. Followers of Jesus know that they have a part to play in the transforming work of God in the world. But how do I know what my ministry is? People ask. Like, how do I know? Like, and, and some will be like, well, what if I mess it up? Or what if I miss it? What if, what if I'm not paying attention and, and God has something for me to do and, and, and I don't do it or I don't do it right? Or are you sure God needs me? I mean, I see those, I see those like, volunteers who do it all and I'm, I'm not like them. I don't know the Bible like them. We have all these questions when we start talking about, about your ministry or about our ministries. So to answer some of those questions today, we're going to look at we're going to look at five things that you should know about your ministry. So here we go. Number one. Number one, God needs you. Have you ever been to a construction site? And uh, if you're on a construction site, right, you'll see like, all these different uh, workers there. Like once it's, once it's up and running, you'll see all these different, different workers doing different things there and different trucks and different toolboxes right? And, and if you know anything about construction, right, the, the success of a construction project, it starts well before it even arrives on, on site, right? And all of these people, all of these people have to share their gifts to make it happen, right? Some are engineers, and some are plumbers, and some are electricians, and some are masons, and, and you get the idea. All of these, all of these people help make a, a construction project happen. Each person, what they contributed depends on their gifts and their, their skills and, and their role in the, in the process, the tools that they have in their toolbox. The building won't be the same. In fact, the building won't even be functional unless everybody, unless everybody shares and uses the tools that are in their toolbox to make it happen. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Now, in reading this passage by yourselves, which we'll often do if we're, if we're reading the Bible on our own, it's really easy to miss something truly important in this, in this single verse. The you is not singular, it's plural in the Greek. So Paul is, is not saying that each person is God's temple by themselves. God, or Paul is saying that the people together are God's temple and that their collective witness, their collective use of the gifts that God has given them, right? that's where the Holy Spirit dwells. They are building God's temple together into the world, which is the church. It's them. It's their gifts. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell when we all share 
We all share from our gifts. I had a, had a youth once who came to me. It's been years ago now. And, and he was just struggling in life. And he'd made some bad decisions. And he just had no self-confidence and no sense of self-worth. And he's like, I, I'm not worth anything to anybody. He's like, I don't even know... I don't even know why God created me. That was his word. I don't even know why God created me. And I looked at him and was like, God created you because God needs you. We can't answer the, the why of that today, but God created you because God, God needs you. Why would God even create you if God didn't have a role for you to play, if, if God didn't need you? Too many people, I think, think that their contributions are are too small or, or their abilities aren't remarkable enough to make a difference and it's just not true. God created you and God has a role for you and God needs you. You see, you have a role to play when you are two years old. When you are two years old and, and you, you don't know much, but that's part of the joy of it. Everything you discover is filled with awe and, and wonder. And God has a role for you to play because well, as others watch you discover, they remember to marvel at the world again. And God has a role for you to play when you're 102. And, and you might not even know what you're doing anymore, but your, your wisdom and your example and your, your courage inspire those around you to want that kind of, of life that, that you lived and you have a, a role to play when life is clicking and everything is good and you know what God has you doing right now. And you have a role to play when everything is falling apart or you're ill or maybe you're even, maybe you're even, facing, maybe you're even facing death. And your faith and courage in those moments can inspire others. God has a role for you to play in every moment of your life. God needs you to help show the love of Jesus to the world. The second thing to know about your ministry, God has gifted you. You may be sitting here today and you know what you're good at. You know your gifts. You know what God has given you to use. And, and you may not, but that doesn't change the truth that God has, has gifted you. Back to the writings of Paul in Romans. Chapter 12, Paul writes, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Notice these gifts. And this is just one list in the Bible. These, these don't all require some special ability. Right? If, if you've lived through the death of a loved one, you can help others walk through that difficult road of grief with faith. 
if you've come back from a dark period in, in your life, you can help someone else who's in that darkness and can't see light to see what you found. If you can make soup, you can feed people and share with them that you're feeding them because you love them and because God loves them. You have gifts. God has gifted you. Which brings us to the third thing to know about your ministry. Your mission field is where you are. Your mission field, it doesn't have to be out there or somewhere else. It might be. I mean, it may be that God will call you to, to go somewhere else and minister there too. Some people are called to, to ministry in, in Mexico or, um, or Africa or Russia or, or Egypt. And, and those are, are special calls from God on people's life. I keep asking God to call me to ministry in Hawaii. Right? I just think, joking, well, some days I'm joking. <laughs> the truth is, ministry starts with where we are. And God may, may lead us on from there, but, but ministry starts, your mission field right now is where you are. Micah 6, 6 to 8. Some of you may know these verses by heart. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? And then Micah goes on with, with all, of these, all these things. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? All these, all these kind of above and beyond things. And, and Micah says, to worship and serve your Lord. He says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's where your ministry starts. Right where you are working for justice, offering mercy, walking with God. So you might ask, like, like how do I know what my ministry is then? Like, okay, so it's, it's here. How, how do I even know where to begin? Well, you might be able to start with this question. Who are you walking with every day? Who are you walking with on a, on a regular basis? Start with where you are. Who are you walking with every day that you could influence and introduce to a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ? We have a, a member of our church who in her lifetime has taken in multiple friends of her children who were in trouble or in, in abusive situations. Her, her ministry field was, was these kids, friends, of her, friends of, her, of her kids, who were the friends of, of your kids. In her case, she invited them to, to live with her, and, and she loved them like her own children, and, and she taught them her value of faith, and she, she brought them to church sometimes to worship with her. 
We have a, a member in our congregation who is always telling me these stories. He is always at work, um, like to the point where he'll, he'll wonder sometimes if he's bugging people too much. I'm like, no, keep going. He is always inviting co-workers to experience the, the love of Christ that he's known. He, he reaches out when they're, when they're struggling in their job, and, and he offers to mentor them as a, as a follower of Jesus who wants to help them. He, he reaches out when people are grieving and, and offers them a, a kind word from, from, from his faith background. Your mission field is likely where you are right now, the assisted living facility where you may be staying, your, your neighborhood, your school, your kids' friends, as we said. Your, your mission, it begins when you see your role where you are. That in that community around you, right, you're more than just another participant in the, in the community. As a follower of Jesus, you can be ready to share the transforming love of Christ, what God means to you in any moment. When the opportunity arises, right as First Peter three fifteen says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready to share Christ's love with gentleness and respect. The fourth thing to know about your ministry is your ministry is part of a bigger picture. In the book of, Jer in the book of uh, Jeremiah, there's a line that a lot of people know. Um, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. It's a great verse. It's often quoted for graduation cards. I think one out of two graduation cards has, has this verse in it. It's a great, it's a great verse. But notice two things about this verse. One, it says God knows the plans that God has for you. It doesn't say that you necessarily know the plans that God has for you. And for those of us who like control, we don't like that, but, but it's okay. God has a plan for your life, even when we can't see the big picture. And sometimes we can't see the big picture. The second thing to notice about, about this verse is that... Uh, it was spoken by Jeremiah to a people in exile, a people who were struggling and, and suffering. It wasn't promising immediate prosperity. It wasn't saying like, okay, you know, follow God and, and tomorrow God's plans for you will be all good. It wasn't saying that at all. It was saying, hang on, hang on because God will deliver you. God will deliver God's people. And so knowing that God has a plan in all of this, you can find the strength to live out the witness as God's people, to hang on to your identity as God's people each and every day. I, um, I lament sometimes, particularly when I'm having conversations with high school kids, and, and now I have one, I lament how much pressure we put on them to figure out, like, it's like you got to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. You're 16, but you got to figure it out now because we're going to invest a bunch of money in this and you need to know. And it always feels so strange because like, I went through four vocation changes, maybe five. Who's counting the fifth one? Anyway, four vocation changes before I landed in, in ministry at, at the age of in my late 20s. 
probably, if we did a survey, most of us in this room have done a vocation change of, of one kind or, or another. The idea that we have to have it all figured out. And, and we do that to ourselves in the church too. Well, I, just have to find my, I just have to find my purpose. The idea that, that somehow God has one purpose for us, and if we don't find it, we might miss out. It's, that's not biblical. Right? And it's terribly stressful. When God called Moses, just to put this in biblical perspective, when God called Moses, Moses didn't know the, the whole plan. He, he knew he was being called to deliver God's people. He didn't know what that was, was going to look like. He didn't know what he was going to have to do. But there would be trials ahead for Moses, right? When God said to Abraham, follow me, he knew that there was a, a promise of a, of a promised land, but he didn't know what the road ahead would look like, and he would make some pretty stupid decisions along the way. We're really not supposed to say stupid in my household, but sometimes it applies to some decisions we make. Right? When the angel appeared to Mary, there wasn't a roadmap of Jesus' full life at the time. There was just a promise that God would be with her. And that story wasn't going to be easy, even from the start. God doesn't ever promise that we'll see the, the whole picture So how do we know our purpose? Well, we pray. And we follow the, the nudges of the, of the Holy Spirit when we, we just sense God's leading in our lives. And we live justly and, and with mercy and love when the way isn't clear. And we show our faith in God whenever we have the opportunity. And at the heart of it all, we trust that God is working through it all even when we don't get it quite right. We live with Paul's word to the Romans. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Which brings us to the fifth thing to know about your ministry. Your ministry starts with four simple words. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Isaiah chapter 6, sometimes known as the call story of Isaiah. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips." And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send 
me. So-and-so is more talented than I am, we say. I'm not, I'm not good enough. So-and-so is a, is, a, is a better Christian than I am. That, that person sitting on the other side of the sanctuary, I, I know they, they, uh, they volunteer more than I do. They, they, they seem to have more time than I do. I, I, can't, I can't do what, what they do. We say, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm faithful enough. Well, so-and-so knows the, the Bible so much better than I do. I don't know that I can work with kids or youth because I, I don't know the Bible very well. We say, I, I'm not educated enough. And then we look at Isaiah and we see Isaiah didn't think he was good enough. I've got unclean lips. Actually, we all have un, unclean lips. But God has a ministry for Isaiah. Just like God has a ministry for you. The biblical witness, it doesn't show God choosing the most talented or the least sinful or the most knowledgeable or, or those who know the, the Holy Scriptures the best to make an impact in the world. God uses young and, and old and rich and, and poor and peasants and kings and those with kind of shady and questionable pasts and, and those who were pledged from birth to serve. Here it is. God works through anybody who says, yes, here I am. Anybody willing to just follow where God leads. So what will your ministry be? Today you're invited to say, here I am, Lord. And hear this, it doesn't mean you're qualified. It doesn't mean you're prepared. I, I remember when I got involved in, in youth ministry, that's where this road to ministry really started. I was like, I don't know the Bible very well. You know what? Once I said, here I am, Lord... I started learning it. I started learning it alongside these young people, and oh my gosh, the blessings multiplied. Doesn't saying here I am, it, it, it doesn't mean, doesn't even mean you're ready. God just needs you to, to take one step to be willing to see where God takes you. So what will your ministry be? It's really the heart of our FaithFit Challenge for this, this last week of this, this journey that we've been on. The FaithFit Challenge is simply to ask, ask that question, what will your ministry be? And then pray about it and take a step. Maybe it's a, a step on into what you've been doing to serve God. Maybe, maybe it'll be a, a brand new direction for you. Just spend some time thinking about what do you enjoy doing what are, the, what are the needs in the world that, that break your heart? And you're like, I'd, I'd like to be a part of, of changing that. Where would you like to see change and growth in, in your life or in the lives of, of others? And then sign up to get involved. Maybe, maybe a first step for you is, is signing up for a clay summer mission event. We've got great opportunities, as you heard Aaron say in the intro today, at, at claychurch.com 
claychurch.com slash backpack. You can sign up um, at the end of July for two opportunities to uh, serve, one packing backpacks and one distributing those. You can sign up in, in August for Pack Away Hunger. Or maybe, maybe you've been thinking about ways you could serve and, and you want to be a blessing to our youth and, and children. You can sit down with, with Tori or with Lucas and, and talk about ways to serve. Or, or maybe you just want to schedule a meeting with Ashley Evans, our, our Clay's director of, of Circle and Connections, and just say, you know what, I, I need more help exploring. I know I want to serve. I know I want to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Right? These are all starting places. Who knows where God is going to lead you? But God is working toward the good. John Wesley, it's lots of, of teaching, and one of the ways that scholars have put together those teachings is with this, this quote. It says, do all the good you can in all the ways you can, to all the souls you can, in every place you can, at all the times you can, with all the zeal you can, as long as ever you can. Most of us aren't called by God to do something that's outside of our skills or our abilities, our interests. God created you with a design and a purpose to do, as John Wesley said, all the good, all the good you can. The people in your neighborhood, with the workers that are part of, of your company, with your family members. God needs you. God has gifted you. God can use your gifts right where you are. The ways that you are going to witness is, is part of a, a bigger picture that you may be blessed to see, but we may never see. Your ministry can start or continue today with four simple words. Here I am, Lord. Lord.